You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Hey, I'm Johnny. Once again, I use he, him pronouns. Um, we're going to start with some reading some scripture here. We're in Acts 16, 9 through... 9 through 16, but I need someone to hold this microphone so that they can speak in it. And this is what we're doing. Because you're gonna, when you read the scripture, you're going to speak into the microphone. Not because we couldn't hear you in the room, although it helps, I guess. Uh, but also, we have a lot of people on Zoom back there. Um, like as many people here on Zoom right now. So we want to include them as much as we can. And speaking into this mic gets them to hear us clearly. So do we have a volunteer to read the scripture? And Preston, can you pull up the scripture? Do I have the scripture? Okay, so let's use a Bible. We have Bibles too. So, on Zoom, turn to Acts 16. I guess you can use the internet for that. You could use your phone here or read the Bible. Who wants to read it from the text? Anybody? NRSV would be, it doesn't matter though. Yeah? So you're going to go from verse 9 here and go to 16. So it's a little like the editors of the NRSV have them in different headings, but the, whoever compiles the lectionary ignores those. Okay. So during the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and we spoke to a woman who had gathered there, a certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira, Thyatira and a dealer in the purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her husband were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. That's good there, Julius, actually. Thanks for that. Oh, good. Let's pray before we keep going. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 
I was talking to a friend the other day, and they told me about how a former teacher at, at, at their school, like they taught at this school, which is like, an, I would say a typical urban school, typical Philadelphia school, like 40 years earlier, you know, not the best performing school, um, came back to the building to offer, you know, a great sum of money to improve the school, to add resources and, um, an individual who would be in the school at times to help. And this person has a public uh, passion for public urban education because of his own experience with it. And evidently has enough money to share it. And in her interaction with him, he noted to her that she was doing the most important work in his mind, really important stuff. And I agree with him and I value the public resource of schools and what they offer us. Um, so I think we're in a great debt to our public educators. I want to pay attention to the individual that shared the money though. Um, it reminded me that people with a lot of power, and in this case money, have an opportunity to distribute or divest their power and benefit everybody. They have, that's, that's what they can do with what they've been given. Um, and that different way of understanding our resources can really turn the world upside down. So instead of trying to save themselves, they contribute further to the body, to the community. And I think that that's an example of what God is calling us to do as individuals with the power we have, with the influence we have. The Gospels in the New Testament and the Bible in general are full of stories and parables and lessons about giving away our excess, living simply, divesting from power and wealth. In the Old Testament, for example, Israel is consistently punished, in fact, for allying with God's enemies for military and political and economic power. Our faith is one for the lowly. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, we were singing. And the way for the powerful to enter into it is to let go of their power, to let go of their nets, to drop their uh, priorities and move with Jesus. And I think that Funder was doing a little bit of that. And he actually reminded me a little bit of Lydia in our passage today, who may have been doing a lot more of that. Lydia is a purple cloth dealer she is a wealthy businesswoman. She has a lot of money and a household. And she would go on to become the first European convert to Christianity. And she would help plant the church in Philippians, in Philippi, which Paul would later write to from prison. Paul gets a call from this Holy Spirit to go to Macedonia and they end up in Philippi, which is a cosmopolitan town that has rich, rich with precious and natural resources and it has a lot of Roman culture in it. It has more Latin inscriptions than Greek inscriptions. So it's like a little microcosm of Rome. 
It's important in the Bible, like we said, because it's where the church of Philippi starts. And Luke calls it a leading city, the leading city. The, uh, Philippi is the leading city of the district of Macedonia. Maybe that's because it's a wealthy Roman colony, but Luke is from Macedonia. He's the one writing Acts. And so maybe he's just given his hometown a little shout out. Saying, yeah, the leading city, like if Philadelphia was something, if I was, you know, I talk about Philadelphia as if it were the best place in the universe, and I believe that, right? So I understand the hometown pride that Luke is offering here, the leading city of Philippi. There's not a lot of Jews in this town. There doesn't seem to be a place to pray. Paul and his people go by the river where they think there might be, and they begin to pray by the river. And in the absence of, of a place for prayer, such a location will do. And so they're doing their disciplines, and this woman, Lydia, overhears them. Almost certainly Paul wasn't expecting a woman. Almost certainly Paul was expecting a man. So I think he's very surprised, as Bryant was saying, that a woman greeted him. And this is why God sent me here. Pay attention to her social location. She's a woman, but she's also a wealthy woman. And she's enchanted by their words. The word for listening here, she's listening to them pray, implies that they were going to the river many times. These interactions could have taken place over time, and perhaps long periods of time, and they develop a relationship. They develop a connection that's meaningful. She sees and follows, and probably right there in the river, Paul baptizes her and her whole household, her whole oikos. Lydia influences her household, and they follow too. So Lydia is a person of prestige and power. She has influence, and she takes that prestige and power and follows it and, and uses it in a new way. She takes the old order she's in, the old political and economic order she's in, and moves it into something new. Something different is happening. Lydia is at the center of reordering civic and domestic economies. Civic as in the city, and domestic as in the role of a woman in a house. She makes her home a place of transformation too. And then Lydia invites them to stay with her and her servants and her family. She includes them in her home, her household, and they can't refuse. She arranges, she arranges this meeting, you know. She arranges the menu, the venue, the seating. She includes them in the house. And that act of hospitality showcases that the conversion is real because Jewish people fellowship with, with people that are, uh, that are um, also in the fold. That is the common practice. And so Paul is included into the fold and she's included into the greater body. She's a Jewish person, and according to historians, right, the, Jew, the Jews actually attracted more women to the movement than men, than men, and this is noteworthy because women were not leaders in the Jewish community, even though they were most of the Jewish community at this time. 
So Lydia is his first convert, maybe in Europe, to Christianity, and she founds the Philippian church, a crucial town in the spread of Christianity across the Mediterranean. So this is not an insignificant person. She uses her power and wealth in a new way, and God uses her in a way that women haven't been used before. This is, these, these are important ideas for who we become when we divest, when we distribute our money, right? And also, the idea is that any of us can be uplifted in the same way. You know, Lydia's wealthy. You can tell she's a cloth dealer. She has a business, you know. Her perfume smells like she's got money. And she has the capability to lead and to influence her family. And Paul sees that opportunity and says, why not? Why can't she do this? She manages to subvert the common order. By, he manages to subvert the common order by empowering a woman. He elevates her status as a woman, and then the status that she collects from being a businesswoman changes too. So there's a lot of movement happening that's different. And the region changes. Her power is put to good use. Lydia now lives against the world, despite having the trappings of domestic dominance with her. She's acting out of a new social order and into, uh, she's acting out of the old social order and in to an entirely new one. And a lot, a lot of us have power and wealth in our own right. When we talk about the kingdom of God being a place where the valleys are filled and the hills are lowered, when we talk about the great um, equalizing aspect of the kingdom of the body of the communion table, I think sometimes we, we, we think that we can check our earthly status at the door, right? Because in this body, in this place, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. But transformation has to occur in that process. Everybody is welcome to the table, but the cost is going to be greater for some than for others. What does it look like? to take our power and participate in a new economy today. The Bible has a radical message of letting go of power, letting go of wealth, letting go of status, moving on to something else. What does it look like for us to divest of those things? This is, this is, this is what following Jesus looks like. I don't think we have a, um, we are accustomed to this very closely because we think that I would say in our political economy that tolerance of social differences is what we're going for as opposed to transformation of social difference. So we can be different, we can be diverse, but we're coming to the table together and letting go of the things that we need to. It's interesting that we were using, I had the text out for uh, 1 Corinthians 11 when Paul offers the words of institutions. Before that, what he does is say, the rich in your community come to the communion table before the workers of the field come and they eat all the food and they get drunk. Why don't you, why don't you have food at home? Why don't you eat at home? As opposed to c coming here, taking the food that could be given to the poor people and, and humiliating the people who have nothing. Right? So, so this table and this church and our whole tradition is about equalizing it. Lydia has a lot of power. Paul moves her to divestment. This is the gospel. The calling is hard though. It's so hard that when Jesus calls his disciples to do that, they wonder who can enter the kingdom of God at all. 
Something surprising has to happen. Right? The, the rich young ruler approaches Jesus in Luke 18. You know, he was, he was wealthy. He was born into wealth. He's a trust fund baby. He says you can trust him. He can't follow Jesus because he won't get rid of his wealth to follow. He can't do it. And they say, well, Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, who then can be saved? Well, what's possible with, what's impossible with mortals it is possible with God. Lydia is saved. Lydia saves her household. Same thing happens here in chapter 19 of Luke, where Zacchaeus shows us how to do it. The cost of following Jesus may be high for some of us. Maybe higher for some of us. Whether you're able-bodied and you live in such a way to make the world as safe as it can be, as accessible as it can be for disabled people, right? I'm grateful that we have a culture of even wearing our masks in this room. And you influence one another to do that when you wear them. Right? That's, that's a good thing. That means that, you know, and, f- and for what it's worth, you know, it's not just that it's, you can, the, the, the coronavirus is a disabling virus. So it's not the, just the currently immunocompromised or disabled that are affected by it. You become disabled often when you get it, right? And so there's this uh, cultural um, exhaustion over wearing masks. But when we do it, we keep people safe. You know, the average case count on Monday was 360 in Philadelphia. So that's like, st- like, pay attention. They're not even reporting it as openly as they should be, in my humble opinion. But pay attention, right? It's, it's still here. It's still happening. Schools are back with mask mandates on Monday, right? Even though there's only two weeks of school left, right? So it's serious. It's serious. That's one way we do it, right? That's a simple way, but we're, we're able-bodied people are trying to create safe places for disabled people. Right? Think about the power you have. We have a variety of it. So if you're white, the same thing happens when, when you divest your power Cons- and, and you consider the safety of racial minorities. Right? There was this... Uh, I was watching a courtroom proceeding happening and there was a demonstration happening in it. And there were black protesters in the courtroom. And they had white white people are surrounding the black people and the pol- and the police like flee from white people for some reason and in, in a way they don't from like black people so that white people are there and then the cops don't touch them like that it's 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 uh it's they're like a repellent you know it's very surprising to see that's allyship right you're using your body right there because you're in a different position right that's it's 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 the social phenomena is, uh, is uh Startling to watch, even though we know it, right, from like in an academic way, right? I, I like understand. It's, it's very fascinating to observe the racial dynamic that changes it, you know. Um, and I think we, we, you know, if you're a man, cisgendered, if you're a straight person as well, you see similar ways of divesting, you know. And Jesus is saying it's harder for people with a lot of power to enter into the kingdom of heaven, like a camel entering into the eye of a needle. But we can do it. 
Lydia showed us that we can. Zacchaeus shows us that we can. We can get rid of our stuff and follow. And then be in a place that protects vulnerable people. We can use our power that way by letting it go. So as it were, a diverse community in terms of race and class, inability and sexuality and gender, certainly the wealthy among us, which, I mean, let's just say the wealthier among us. I don't know if anyone is wealthy, but some have more than others. Sharing in common helps. You know, we have a mutuality fund. We have people that need help. There are people who we pay bills for every month, you know. And, they, and there's some shame about that, right? They'll say, hey, Johnny, I, I, disability didn't go through then. I still can't get a job. Um, my landlord's increasing the rent. I'm worried that my, bill, my, my apartment's going to be taken over. And so they just need help, right? We try to do that as a community. It's really important because people are in vulnerable places, especially right now. Things are more expensive, right? People don't have baby formula, right? Food prices are more expensive now, too. And gas is as well. So it's these, these uh, inelastic goods, these things that we need to buy, are more expensive. And so the poor feel it the most. And, 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 and income isn't necessarily up either, right? Earnings aren't up. So people are just being choked a little bit more, you know? And meanwhile, there's people that benefit from this, right? Like, I saw this wild headline this week. It was very discouraging, you know? They said something like, what's the, what, what's the uh, baby formula company whose plant was shut down? What is it? Similac is a I think that was the one that was shut down, right? And the headline was something like, it's hard for families to find baby formula right now, but that could be good for this company's stock. And I was like, wow, this is really, what a, what a wild place, what a bad place we live in, right? Like, that's like, uh, she was a little gross to me, you know? Like, that's because, like, you know, kids are going to get sick and die potentially, right? It's really a big problem. So, our community economically tries to help people in those positions. So let's keep listening as we work to follow Jesus, keep listening to one another and our experiences, divesting from our power, right? That's essential. Centering the marginalized this too. Paul was able to do both here. Center Lydia as a woman, but she was also too able to divest her wealth for the sake of the gospel. I think we can see these conversions as a chance to follow Jesus more readily. So if you're white, able-bodied, a man, cisgendered, straight, educated, wealthy, you have some degree of power to divest from. And we all have a little bit. You know, we want to see this as intersectional as we can, but we all have some power, most likely. There's space for you at the table. We can all act like Lydia, too. Let's pray, and then we'll do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for being here. Thank you for the example of Lydia, the dealer of purple cloth. May we follow in her footsteps, knowing what power we have, and give it away. And may we also not look down upon ourselves for the way that the world does, whether we're... Uh, a sexual minority, a gender minority, a racial minority, disabled, poor, any number of things. May we be uplifted to uplift us in unusual and new ways and surprising ways, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.